Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Labor 11th, Cleansing the Augean Stables Within the place of peace, the great presiding one poured forth the radiance of his exalted thought. The teacher drew Hanayim. The single flame must light the other 49, the great presiding one affirmed. So be it, the teacher answered. Having lit his own lamp, Hercules now must bring the light to others. No long thereafter, the teacher summoned Hercules. Eleven times the wheel has turned, and now you stand before another gate. For long you have pursued the light which flickered first uncertainly, then waxed to a steady beacon, and now shines for you like a blazing sun. Turn now your back upon the brightness, reverse your steps, go back to those for whom the light is but a transient point, and help them make it grow. Direct your steps to Augeus whose kingdom must be cleansed of an ancient evil I have spoken. Forth went Hercules through gate the eleventh in search of Augeus the king. When Hercules approached the realm where Augeus was the ruler, a horrid stench that made him faint and weak assailed his nostrils. For years he learned King Augeus had never cleared away the dung his cattle left within the royal stables. Then too, the pastures were so amply dung, no crops could grow. In consequence, a blighting pestilence was sweeping through the land, wrecking havoc with human lives. To the place then went Hercules and sought out Augeus, informed that Hercules would cleanse the stenchy stables. Augeus displayed distrust and disbelief. You say that you will do this mighty task without reward? The king declared suspiciously. I have no faith in those who make such boasts. Some cunning plan you have contrived, O Hercules, to take my throne from me. Of men who seek to serve the world without a recompense, I have not heard. At this point, though, I'd welcome any fool who sought to help. But a bargain must be struck, lest I be cheated as a foolish king. If you within a single day shall do what you have promised, one-tenth of my great flock of cattle shall be yours. But if you fail, your life and fortune will be in my hands. Of course, I don't think you can fulfill your boast, but try you may. Hercules then left the king. He wandered through the blighted place and saw a cart go by, piled high with the dead, the victims of the pestilence. Two rivers he observed, the Alphaeus and the Peneus, float quietly nearby. Standing on the banks of one, the answer to his problem flashed upon his mind. With might and main he labored. By great exertions he succeeded in diverting both these streams from courses they had flowed for decades. The Alphaeus and the Peneus were made to pour their waters through the dung-filled stables of King Augeus. 
the rushing torrents swept away the long accumulated filth. The realm was purged of all its fetid murk. Within a single day, the task impossible had been performed. When Hercules, quite satisfied with this result, returned to Augeas, the letter scowled. You have succeeded by a trick, King Augeas cried out in rage. The rivers did the work, not you. It was a ruse to take from me my cattle, a plot against my throne. Rewards you shall not have. Go and get out of here before I cut down your stature by a head. The angry king thus banished Hercules, and bade him nevermore set foot within the realms of penalty of sudden death. Having performed the task assigned, the son of man, who was also the son of God, went back to him from whom he came. A server of the world you have become, the teacher said, when Hercules drew nigh. You have gone on by going back. You have come to the house of light by yet another path. You have spent your light that the light of others might shine. The jewel that the eleventh labor gives is yours forevermore. I'm actually so excited because, not because it's not about Pinocchio, but like it's been a while since we've I know, been able to go right? back. And so it's interesting how like this is a different pace rather than like putting the movie together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Uh, welcome to the Know This Elf podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And I'm Eduardo, and it's good to see you, man. So great. Always great to see you. Yeah, man. Um, you know, we had such a fun time breaking down Pinocchio, breaking down the entire um, four-episode series, and all along the while, I know we've been anxious to get to um, back to the labors of Hercules and back to the 11th house, or to the 11th house, and breaking down Aquarius with the cleansing of the Augean stables. I hope mm-hmm. I said that okay. But, um, you know, reading the myth actually, you know, brought me right back to why we were doing this and, and the uh, lens that we're looking out of when, when reading this myth and reading the story and then breaking down such a powerful uh, sign, but also something that you and I have talked about, not just because we're in this period right now with it being the end of January and going into February, but also the era that I'm actually excited to talk to you about. And and we'll get into that uh, as we break this, um, this understanding down into probably a couple more episodes other than just this myth and how we always approach this myth. So I'm trying to put all my thoughts together and stick to the story itself. And yeah, so, you know, as you, as you, the listener has, you know, have been kind of joining us on this breakdown of Hercules and the myth, you know, we're coming towards the end. And, you know, now that we're on the uh, 11th labor in the 11th house, there's so much to talk about with, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on with this story. And so, you know, we'll do what we normally do, break down the actual myth and then take what we can out of the lessons that are presented to us within the story. So away we go. Away we go. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it really is this kind of grand evolution that we're seeing with the character of Hercules, which is again, a reflection of yourself as he goes through these journeys through the 12 labors and the 12 houses. And there's really this unique connection here because through the first six labors, we really were meeting the me and here. And it was very much this like internal subconscious connection. And as you transcend and we approached Libra, we met the me out there. And so from seven, eight, and nine, we're really meeting the me out there through one-on-one relationships, how our patterns incorporate with our, you know, personal relationships. 
And the 10th and the 11th really starts to open up the us in here. Mm. And we start to see the grander network of human consciousness. We really start to see what we're really connected to and how we are all interconnected. And this, this lesson really looks at how important community and networks are. And so it's going to be a really great conversation because not only is this such a great sign to celebrate the individual expression, but it, it's a great sign because it really looks at how the individual expression and our personal sovereignty makes the group stronger. And it's actually what actually creates healthy groups that are going to nurture the future. And we look at Aquarius like we've looked at all the signs, you right. know, and that's something we've reiterated. It's not just about your sun sign, your moon sign, and your rising. The entire zodiac wheel is playing through you. You have a connection with all of these signs. But Aquarius is a very unique one as we're proceeding into the astrological age of Aquarius yeah. from Pisces. And that's when we kind of get into astrotheology, which is the evolution of consciousness through all the eras of ages. Um, but it's, it's very important for us to understand the age of Aquarius. And we could even see it with the rise of technology in the 1970s, the idea of the internet, which has been created this worldwide network, right? And even what we're supposed to do in this network and how we're supposed to utilize this bigger astrotheology astro energy that's working through us for the fulfillment of the universal plan. And so, yeah, really interesting sign. And a very unique sign as well. Um, Aquarius, and I know we'll touch on this in the second and the third episode, but it is the sign of the most variations. Like Aquarius, if you can't guess somebody's sign when you meet them, there's a good chance that their rising sign or their sun sign is Aquarius. There's, it's got the most variation because it's the sign of, there's, it's actually detailed by a man. So it really shows the like the variety of personalities, interest, and internal essences that work through us. And so it's not only a sign that we're going to kind of explore our own unique expression, mm -hmm. but it's a sign where we really gain respect and understanding of other people's unique expression. And we really look to help not only the blossoming and the, the um, unfoldment of our own authentic self, but we really start to see the unique, authentic self of everybody else we're connected to. And we, and we push to kind of help that evolution in them and honor what's authentically unique about you. You know, and a lot of the times what makes you so special, you look at as like this thing that you think is a burden. You know, like Pinocchio thought that his nose growing when every time he lied was this like bad thing. But that's actually what saves him and his father in the very end was right. that that ability of like using this thing that we think is a burden for actually like, no, like that's God's signature for you. Like what makes you unique is it's not what makes you weird. It's what makes you unique. And right. You really need to learn to incorporate that. And so, yeah, I guess we can kind of jump in with this labor and, you know, we've, as we've kind of gone through these later labors, um, we really start to see the internal process of Hercules getting more... He's more subtle as approach. I mean, he's not so aggressive. We've talked about that before, mm -hmm. physically speaking. You know, he's more intellectual and able to be a little more um, straight to the point of, mm -hmm. rather than like wasting so much energy. Mm -hmm. um, he's having to go inside and go, okay, what's the what's the best way to approach this? I think that's something I've gained a lot mm -hmm. personally from this 
from these lessons and breakdowns on how he you said the me out there and the me in there he's really connected mm-hmm. to that me inside you know mm-hmm. he understands you know yeah he's he's done the process of personal incorporation right and we could even see that with how quickly his journey in the beginning it would go from the presiding one mm-hmm. to the teacher to the student. Yeah. And now we see that fluid motion. And this is the idea of spiritual discernment, which is so important, which is the connecting of our intellect with the intuition. So yeah. they work together and they're married. It's, Ooh, it's, it's another blending like of you know rivers that we're going to kind of see. And there's a really great line, third, third, fourth, and fifth word, within the place of peace. Mm-hmm. And so Hercules has obtained internal peace in this step. And this is something that we are all striving to do on the spiritual path. And we kind of think that that's the end, right? but it's actually just the very beginning. As you find this internal peace, you don't stay in it and isolate yourself from the world. You actually come back in to help other people connect to that internal light and what is eternal in all of us. And so it's this really beautiful thing of, you know, really seeing the deep, the depth, like the deepening, the deepening, really see the deepening of the evolution that we are all kind of experiencing and in our role in the collective. And so we can actually really start to see the bigger picture. Um, it's like in the very beginning, it's almost like we had a magnifying glass on the, like a Persian rug, right? And so we were magnified on one little part. And our experience and consciousness felt dirty. It felt chaotic. You know, if you take a magnifying to a rug, you're going to see dirt. Right. There's nothing there, right? But then you take a little step back and you start to see that there's, a, oh, there's actually a color here. And then you keep stepping back and then, oh, there's a pattern. And then you step back far enough and you're like, oh, it's all part of a grand design. And it, it all morphs into each other. And that's what we do as we approach these later signs of the Zodiac. We really start to perceive and understand the greater workings that are happening here and see that we're a part of something very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the universe has such beautiful plans for you and it just wants to show those to you. But we have to take out those blocks that are incorporated in us. And then we, as we do that, we help others. You know, that's that's one of the things about Capricorn. It's so determined mm-hmm. to get through the spiritual process, but sometimes it gets to the top of the mountain and it's all alone. So that mountain goat has to come back down and help others reach this spiritual attainment that Hercules has worked so hard to obtain it himself. Oh man, I really like that analogy about the mountain goat going to the top and then, you know, with ambition, it gets to a place, but without the understanding of what it needs to do and has to come back down in order to bring other people to that same place. And I think that that's something with the idea of the initiate that will eventually ha- happen to any individual is that, hey, I, I've discovered this for myself. I've understood how to rise another uh, level in my vibration, if you will, uh, of understanding you know, my significance in the universe. But then if you're not really helping people or bringing light or being this water bearer sign or having that understanding of how to do that emotionally, you know, then you're not really helping the collective and therefore you're not helping yourself with something you've attained on your own. It's not just about what you've gained, it's also about who you're going to be able to assist in gaining that same, um, not knowledge, but that same um, uh, height that you're at that allows the collective to work together rather. And that's what I like about this sign is that, 
you know, and, and it's interesting how many times people, they see this and they see the glyph and they see the, the water bearer, but you've already kind of covered much of what that represents, right? With mm-hmm. its like ability to carry that emotional um, um, displacement that maybe other people might have and do it well also without having to be affected by other people's emotions, mm-hmm. but also having the container that can actually hold that. And and doing that for somebody is very, very important in, in their journey to you know, finding not only their own potential, but being okay with something that you said again in the beginning um, with that burden, that gift that they might have had that they might not be comfortable with. But here you have this assistance to kind of show you like, no, there's a, there's a reason why you are who you are with a purpose in mind, but we're going to help you find that out. And, you know, Hercules in this, in these labors. And one thing I wanted to say to you as just as your friend is, it's interesting how the labors, you can read them over and over and over again, but the more you have this understanding, and I'm sure there is very well-studied individuals who listen to this and who have rolled their eyes before where they're kind of noticing, oh, maybe these guys are just discovering these ideas on, on in their own time uh, and then coming together, or maybe they already had an understanding and they're refreshing their ideas of what these, um, these 12 zodiac signs represent. But for someone like myself, the the labor was coming so heavy first you know your eyes read the labor they understand the labor and then the interpretation comes after whereas in the last i'd say five labors prior to this one i've already had an understanding or taken a dive on Mm -hmm. my own of the astrological understanding and its significance and then reading the labor and going oh it's all right there Mm -hmm. and that's just like my favorite thing that that um Alice Bailey has done with this mm-hmm. is, is just allowing you to be like, Hey, you can either go this way or you can go that way. You can already have an understanding and here's an interpretation of it, or here's an interpretation of it. Does that open a door for you to then go and investigate and having this conversation across from you, someone who's well studied and well versed and you know, the way I see it at least um, with, with the, the significance of what these represent has helped me not only understand more about what is happening to our hero or I just us uh, but also how to respond to the labor. And I think that's something that's key about this labor in particular. You know, there's so many things that come at him at the very beginning with, you know, trying to even hurt his ego of like, this is the labor mm-hmm. you're going to go in. And it's something that we all can understand universally at, throughout time, which is um, how low, you know, manure can be and, and mm-hmm. then what it means to work with manure. And, and so it's interesting how, he's not affected by that even. He's mm-hmm. not like, what? He's like, I'm the son of God. Like, I'm going to be cleaning up your stables. Like, he volunteers to be like, I, I can do this mm-hmm. for the people. Mm-hmm. You know, for the people who are exactly. suffering through this stench, I will do this. Mm-hmm. And the king just laughs at him. Yeah. Just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You do that, and then we'll see what happens. And, you know, he's not once does he mention like, oh, this is below me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so anyways, I don't want to go too fast in that, but I, th- these are the little things that I was picking up along the way that represent this sign yeah. of Aquarius and its power to kind of rise above, you know, such a, such a, not just labor, but situation that you might find yourself in. But yeah. uh, go ahead, man. No, absolutely, man. And it's, it's really great to see the evolution of Hercules and even like his character. We yeah. see this humble poise individual who sees all of creation as an expression of the creator so what is actually a low thing here and what's a high thing yeah you know like and i I love that you brought up the point that this one you had to really study the labor to understand it where the other ones you kind of knew what was coming well you know with aquarius we just spoke about it it's the 
it's the celebration of the individual. So if it's a sign of the individual, we're all going to have a different individual relationship with the story. It's not going to be such a archetypal pattern mm. of like Scorpio, this is life and death and spiritual rebirth. What we kind of see in this 11th house is like, we all have our own specific, unique shit that we have to help clean up for people here. Oh, yeah. I you like know what that. I mean? Because yeah, yeah. there's there's a lot of dung, you know? And that's the unique thing about dung is it's it's waste that has potential to be a fertilizer. So it actually can bring life. And that's why that he's like cleaning out this dung. And, you know, we're going to kind of talk about it. And I, I know I'm glad that you said like, let's not move too fast because we are going to kind of go back to the f- first. But it's really important too that he like smells it from afar. Yeah. Because people can put lipstick on like a pig in that old phrase, right? And they could put flowers over trash and hide stuff. We all kind of wear a mask. Smells a really hard thing to mask. You know, I remember when I was like 12, 13, and a friend showed me that like, if you take a lighter and hairspray, you could make a flamethrower, right? So I was doing it one day when like my mom was not home. And then she came home and I kind of panicked. And I remember I actually like burnt a little bit of my leg hair. And so she came in and I tried to act like everything was cool, but she's like, it smells like burnt hair in here. What the hell were you doing? You know? And it was just like, there was no way to hide it. Like you can't hide smell. You know what I mean? And so like, I was caught like right there, you know? And so, you know, I know that personal story, people are like, what the hell is he talking about? But it's just but that idea. Yeah. It's like, it's super hard to hide smell and smells like really powerful. You can, you know, you don't, you notice a bad smell you don't really even pay attention to the lack of smell, but then you like really notice great smells. Like today, when we, when I walked up here to start this episode, you were burning Palo Santo. And like immediately when I walked in, changed my paradigm, got me connected to the spiritual. It like brought me back not only to earth, but like pulled me into that whole um, alignment and electrical magnetic energy that's working through me. And so it's one of those things that could be like the most healing thing and it could be the most damaging thing for you. It was you. hard to hide from. I love that you just said it. You can, you, visually, you can change, um, you know, someone's perception of what may be underneath mm-hmm. what you might have used to cover mm-hmm. some garbage or something. Um, but smell is just, it's undeniable. It's mm-hmm. something that no matter how, I mean, you can definitely cover your nose, but mm-hmm. we all need to breathe air. And as soon as you take that one, mm-hmm. you know, the whiff or whatever it might be that's out in the air, it transports you either to a good place or a bad mm-hmm. place. And it can change your whole attitude. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so, but go on. I like, I like your, your story. Cause it's very true though. Yeah. You no, you can't ab- really hide it. Absolutely. And like, we kind of see that even with like the 24 seven news coverage, they try to like, you know, paint this picture with like the videos and the sound bites of this, like, Oh, the system is operating fine. But then like you watch the American political system, you're like, something smells like bullshit here. You know, even from both sides, all parties, like not yeah. just pointing one side here, but it was like, something's, something's not right here. And we're, we're starting to smell decay. Well, you I know? Like, oh my gosh. I, I mean, again, I know we're a little bit all over the place, but that's something that I've been reserving to talk to you about because with this, uh, you know, the age of Aquarius that started, you know, 60 plus years ago and, and even longer than that actually. But, um, we've been getting a whiff of it mm-hmm. together you know, as we all come together to mm-hmm. understand where that smell is coming from, we will prevail as mm-hmm. a network. And I think that's what's going to be very important about these conversations with Aquarius and the age of Aquarius and what mm-hmm. that means coming out of Pisces. But, um, yeah, but I, I, you know, you putting that analogy together with the scent, you know, of, of smell is, 
is right on point, man. Yeah. So continue. Yeah, no, absolutely. And in Aquarius, we we really learn our potential. You know, there's a great mandala, a great Western mandala, and I know I spoke about this many times, is The Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci. Very interesting. When you look at the 10th and the 11th disciple, which represent Capricorn and Aquarius, they're the only ones that are looking into the future. They're actually not looking at Jesus Christ that's at the table. They're looking into the future. And it shows that both of these signs have the capacity to serve the future. Mm. Capricorn has his hands behind it. And so what Capricorn is, is it's taking the positive traditions of the past, bringing them into the present so we have foundations of growth. Now, this is actually something that we've lost. We lost the spiritual essence as the cause of everything in our cultures. And because the spirit is the life force, our culture is decaying because we lost those foundations that actually tied us to the metaphysical principles of reality. And we've kind of really kind of focused this last 150 years on the materialistic egghead approach, right? right. Which is like false science, yeah. not the true science, which is this the scientific thought. It's like- Well, the gains for I instead of the gains for we. Exactly. Right? Selfish, narcissistic. It's, um, you know, what's good for me is good for me. And that's all I kind of worry about. Well, that's there's no life there. There's no eternalness. And so if the life force leaves something, it starts to decay. And that's why we're smelling this smell, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we do in this podcast is we go back to the ancient principles that were established by the most enlightened civilizations, and we bring those, present, those principles back to the present to create a stronger foundation. Right. And so Capricorn is about bringing the past to the present. And then there's also traditions we have to get rid of, you know, like the idea that like your color represents anything of your skin. Like we're moving away from traditions of like, oh, I don't like that person because they're this religion or this color or they belong to this country's flag. We're transcending that. So there's some traditions that we, we have to kill. And we have to like say like that no longer serves us um, and we're not bringing that into the future. So it's a two-step process, right? It's just, it takes that evaluation. Well, Aquarius is just looking into the future. Aquarius is the sign of a utopian thinker, thinking about the potential. And this is such an empowering sign for us in such an empowering age because we're going to be told, and people say this, they're like, the work that you're doing, what are you doing? Like, Caesar's always going to be in charge here. They've been in charge forever, like Caesar, which is that materialistic, nihilistic thought. And what we can say in Aquarius is like, hey, let, let Caesar have his sandcastle, right? Let, let him take his material, let him have that. Because what we're going to see is the material world is going to stab you in the back at one point. And it's going to take it. Like once you can no longer give your life force to the material world, it takes everything for you. And so the individuals that live this nihilistic path and they attach themselves to just the material motion of life, they like devote themselves to the cube and they become like a server of that false reality, right. right? They almost serve what we would call a Gnosticism, the Demiurge, which is like the false God here. And how that false God works, how Caesar works is the same way. Once you can stop plugging into that matrix and give it your life energy, once you can't provide life for energy for you, it's going to stab you right in the back. Right. It's going to take away all your material security. It's going to take all away your false attachments and it takes it from you. And in this moment that it takes everything from it, it beats you down and you're like bloody and bruised. 
you're grasping for your last air and you're begging for forgiveness from this false God. And he's not going to give you love. He's actually going to like piss on you when you're down. Like when we say that like this material world will take everything from you, it will. It's like using you. It will stab you in the back just like Brutus did to Caesar. And so what Aquarius is in this ride is when we can really take charge because that universal life force, when you attach yourself to what's above the matrix, the true God of creation, you actually get presented instead of at the end of the path, you get presented with like at the taking away of all your false securities, you get presented with unconditional love and you will get filled up with unconditional love so much that you'll think you have all the love you can take and God will just give you more. And it will just be more and more. And that's the process. That's the path that we're all going through. So in Aquarius, it's like, who cares who controlled the past? The future is ours. The future is ours. Like we are the deciders of what timelines we're going to collapse. The past is dead. The future is pure potential. And this is what we operate in. And so in Aquarius, it's this beautiful sign because when we understand that the future is what we're working for, we can start planting seeds for trees that we're personally not going to bear the fruit of. You know, like sometimes I make idea, I, I say things about like how culture and society really should be. And people are like, that's just utopian thinking. That's a waste of time. It's actually not. Because even if that doesn't happen in my lifespan, which is like the true connection of all humans together, just me carrying that thought and putting that into the astral realm of the thought of the thought field, it allows for future generations to also pick up on that thought and carry it out and actually bring it to this reality and actually bring creation, the creator to creation rather than denial of it. And that's everything. Like yes. we need to think about optimistic thoughts about the future because we're creating potential. At the end of the day, the universe is love. At the end of all these cycles and patterns, everything in humanity will make sense. And we will reach this idea of like perfection and ultimate unity with creation and the creator. But we decide how quickly that timeline gets collapsed. Exactly. In, in the eternal, it's already happened, you know, because like time is truly nonlinear. We perceive it in the moment, but it's nonlinear. But when we actually collapse that timeline, timeline, that's up to each and every one of us within this network. And so that's what we're moving with. And so Aquarius is this exciting time because it's like, who cares who controlled the past? Well, yeah, I mean, man, everything you're saying is is so on point. Um, I just have to, uh, you know, interject with one of the things going back to Caesars. I know there's an individual out there, and if you don't know of him, but his name is Ryan Holiday, but he's very much fixated on the ideas and principles and the stories of Marcus Aurelius, which I really admire and 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 can really connect to. But it's interesting that even in a time where Marcus Aurelius could say uh, everything he was trying to avoid in some ways, I know Ryan Holiday has said this before, is to be Caesarified. That mm -hmm. was like an objective of his, just like, mm -hmm. I cannot let that happen mm -hmm. to me. And so for, for them to bring such, you know, stories that are hard to relate to, you're talking about an emperor of its time, of, of in, in his time, and we're hearing this, like, you know, hundreds of years now in, into the future from that time, we can still connect to what his diaries represented, but also what we're trying to avoid for us to happen uh -huh. in that idea. And I want to tie that all together to this network you're talking about. And one of them that I think anyone can maybe agree with, maybe disagree with, two things I've seen that have happened in my lifespan podcasts and reviews not reviews of podcasts just reviews in general and podcasts 
when you start to really see like the network that we actually belong to, you start to really allow yourself to take a path that is inclusive rather than exclusive. And I think that even if people are having their podcasts and they're just two individuals like you and I, or even if they have just a single podcast, which is the individual speaking, what you're drawing in is the network. You're not trying to isolate yourself and say, okay, now come to my camp mm-hmm. because I'm the one who has the voice of reason. You're more or less saying, I have this voice. Who else out there is with me and who else out there thinks I could do better? Who else agrees or what else should I pay attention to? And you're seeing that more and more with, again, this network of podcasting because podcasting has allowed people to finally have a connection that they normally would only have if they were like by chance on an airplane, on a flight. And I didn't bring my headset and the guy next to me decided how a conversation and they carry that conversation for maybe 20 years. Oh, I met this guy and it was great. and We networked, but this is speeding up the whole process through the internet, through certain um, altruistic uh, endeavors. People are kind of having this idea of it's not just me anymore. It's a, it's a very uh-huh. much a we. Uh-huh. And again, these conversations are some of the, you know, most redundant conversations to someone's ears. It's like, hey, like, I know a lot about this stuff. What philosophy do you? It's like, that's not what we're doing here. We're just here to, to speak to the collective. And and so much that I think people who even find us, um, I just met with an individual this this week. Shout out to Ethan, by the way. But when he told me that he met us through the podcast, it wasn't so much that he was trying to take a dive into philosophy as much as he was doing the same thing we're all trying to do is just finding a door that he can open that allows more than just self-help. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like, oh, I, I don't know who I am. I need mm-hmm. to find my way through this life. He was like, how can I find more individuals who are seeing things from a perspective that is not necessarily categorized yet, mm-hmm. but it's happening and it's exciting. And I, I just want to know if I have more of these people out there, friends out there. And again, this, uh, this is going to continue continuously happen if we allow it. Mm-hmm. But if we keep to try to separate, which is what, you know, I know we go on some tangents about like hating the media and all the things that have been established before us, but the, that whole perspective or that whole era is gone. If we and, and it'll, it could be gone even faster than we want it to if we allow it to be just be uh-huh. destroyed. It's stupid, uh-huh. you know. People are like, "Oh, this is the only outlet that can tell me what I should think and uh-huh. how I should think, and this is the only movie that I should think I should go see." It's like that's not that's uh-huh. not what I'm going to subscribe myself to. So then, meanwhile, these networks that are made in that eye perspective are they're suffering right now they're suffering by the measurement of you know ratings if you will mm-hmm. and they're looking at algorithms or whatever going like how can we gain mm-hmm. people back how can we get their trust it's like no we don't trust you because it's just you mm-hmm. like you're not making any kind of inclusive you know um uh outreach for for us to feel like we're a collective you're mm-hmm. still operating on this one single way of doing mm-hmm. things which is in in my in like the way i see things like bullshit mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so you're seeing this more and more people think something's up something's different something's not the same you know whether it's like something crazy like the i don't know and i'm not a golfer but the pga tour you know like i know that they're going through their own issues because they're just like all these golfers are leaving to go mm-hmm. somewhere else and it's because there's just like this hold, this stronghold on on an old way of doing things. And so I think you're going to see these big, big, big things change, but we have to allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that carrying this energy and, t- you know, basically speaking to the collective about, hey, do you smell what I smell? Mm-hmm. And should we just use this as a fertilizer rather than just letting the stench like mm-hmm. rule our lives and therefore decay our mm-hmm. lives and then kill us all yeah. is something that we should look into. But anyways, that's yeah. my little rant on something that you just inspired me to think of. 
during this uh, understanding of Aquarius. But yeah, so it's kind of like that thing when the rock is like, do you smell what I'm cooking? It's like, <laughs> yeah, you're cooking shit. <laughs> so um, and no, I'm glad that you two brought up the um, just like the role of podcast and because how we affect the future is planting seeds in the present. And, you know, it was really an organic thing for us to start this podcast. Right. And it's really a special time because it's kind of still the Wild West for podcast. Yeah. You know, we saw the internet in such a different way in the late 90s and the early 2000s. Like it was this space that you could just explore infinitely. The internet has been really kind of watered down and controlled to now it's just like these big sites like, you know, Instagram, Face Space, like whatever you call them, right? But it's like these like big housing units where that freedom in the infinite potential of the unit, like the internet has really been restricted on us. Well, we're in a golden age of podcast right now because there is so many voices that can express and we can kind of see this network of like truly what people's ideas are. But like... If I'm looking at cycles and patterns, it's only a matter of time oh, yeah. that spiritual development is going to be offensive to somebody and we're, we're going to get canceled, right? And then we're going to have to kind of go underground with this. And that's also why we're building our network. So when we do get canceled for spiritual development being like, that's offensive to me, um, we'll be able to like keep our message going. But it's, it would be so much harder if we didn't have this network established that we're creating right now. You know, and so I know that when I when I just had to you know get that out of out of me when i was speaking to you about what you mentioned but the thing that really triggered me to to sort of say everything i just said about this network is you said the more we speak into the void and how we speak into the void the more we're setting the intention for the collective conscious that's going to sort of create this cast or umbrella over everyone so even if we did get canceled or even if podcasting was restricted by any means the voices are all speaking at the same time out there and they're putting that intention out there so much that it's felt by many individuals to a point where you can even connect with uh, new people by just saying, you know, did you hear about or have you heard of? And people just immediately know what you're saying. They know what you're talking about. And it breaks down all these barriers that you were talking about earlier about the flag that you, you know, represent or, you know, some sort of idea of patriotism or some sort it's like no there's there's it's further than that you know mm -hmm. it's not just the flag it's it's humankind it's mm -hmm. just, that's the that's the flag right now is that we are all humans mm -hmm. like we are no longer just segregated humans we are humans who love feel and want to uh expand that mm -hmm. to other individuals who may not have that yet it's not mm -hmm. so much like hey like it's that easy let's feel and let's love and let no it's like lending your hand out to a fallen brother or sister is where the power really lies, but to do that, you know, you really have to take a step forward to extend your hand out. Mm -hmm. And you said something about that with Capricorn also about being at the top of the mountain and being ambitious to get there. But if you're up there and you're lonely and you don't know which, what to do with the potential you had to get to the top, maybe it is time you come back down just mm -hmm. a little bit and figure out why you were given this opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, this whole idea of an entrepreneur also took over for the last like 10 years. There were so many people out there who were like wanting to make a career out of being whatever it might be, an influencer of some kind or an entrepreneur. And it's like, but what for? Mm -hmm. Who are you doing this for? Mm -hmm. You know, like, did you get enough out of the idea or the satisfaction of being recognized? But now that you're recognized, like, what are you doing to recognize others? Mm -hmm. And how are you going to bring them up? And that's to me where the real gold lies, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, and it goes to the 
the truly the symbol of Aquarius, the water bearer. Water not only will destroy over time, mm. but it's also what you need to grow new things. It's also what nurtures the ground and nurtures the seed. And that's what we're really kind of seeing here with Aquarius. It's the idea that we know we now understand how to use the most spiritual element, which is water, right. which is the conductive reflection of that creator. And so now we're actually seeing our reflection and the creator's reflection in our own personal creations. And, you know, that's what we're, that's what we're kind of looking for. And that was what was so important and was so the guiding force with the prophet of the age of Pisces, which is Jesus, mm. because Jesus got there. He got the Christ consciousness, but he chose to come back and connect with individuals and help them find their way on the path. You know, you you do a service to your higher self by illuminating, but a disservice to the collective if you illuminate yourself and then you completely separate and you become like a hermit in the woods. You know, like... I love that. I Because like, there's times, and I'm not saying that it's like, we're like spiritual teachers, but there's no doubt in my mind that I could go into the woods in a, like a little cabin and never come back to society. Like, I just like nature. I, you know, it's so funny because I like, I talk a lot on the podcast and I talk a lot in natal charts, but I'm a very quiet person outside of this realm. Mm -hmm. um, and like, could find that internal peace. And I've done that in nature. Like, I'm like, I could live here forever. But there's a part of me that knows that that's not how I serve the universal life force that truly is beating my heart and gave me this opportunity. We come back and we bring it to others. And again, I'm not saying I'm at this point of spiritual enlightenment in myself. I am still going through that constant process of internal reflection and, you know, making sure I can take out my own internal blocks. But we're all going to kind of get to this point where we have to kind of like make this choice to come back down to the mountain and, and help others through this process, you know, because it's, it's all, you know, it's all for one because we come from the one. Right. And the true reality is, is we, if there's one person suffering in the universal consciousness, we're all going to experience some suffering. Yeah. So we're really not going to find peace until everybody finds peace. Everybody gets their natural rights protected, you know, which is the opportunity to authentically blossom who they are. And we think about this idea that we were starting to break these networks down. And we were really starting to see that, like, although my TV tells me that's my enemy, I, I don't, I don't hate that person, you right. know, which was so easy to do with, it started like with religion, they would be able to separate people. We saw it in the early 20th century with nationalism and, you know, the competition between flags. And we were really transcending that. Cause like, I remember even when like the war of terrorism happened in the United States and then later like the war in Iraq, you know, and I remember like teachers were getting fed that idea of like, you got to tell students that like, the Middle East is your enemy. And I like, I, Iraq is your enemy. And even in the evolution of consciousness that we were in, I was listening to my teachers kind of like push this propaganda. And I was just like, I don't think that that guy's my enemy. Right. Actually, you know, to me, the teachers and me never really saw eye to eye. And I'm like, you're my enemy. So if that's your enemy, the enemy of my the, the, the enemy of my enemy is my best friend. And I'm like, actually, I like these people, you know? And we went through these experiences. Like, I remember having like, have you ever met somebody from Iraq? They are the sincere. They are 
unreal intelligence. And they're very forgiving too. Forgive they you know what I love about um the Arabic countries? How they listen. Like, I love Latin America with its dedication to family. Like, all of us, we need to bring these networks of what makes our culture special, and we tie them all together. I love Germany and Japanese discipline. You know, America brings innovation and, like, taking an idea and, like, helping make it better. You know, we're not the best at inventing stuff, but, like, we're really good at taking something and being like, oh, we can actually, like, improve this. And I'm I'm not just saying Latin America is just family, but, like, they can teach us family. Right. You know? Um... And like what I think we see from like the Arabic nations is their capacity to listen. When I spent time in Morocco, I had to like start watching like what I said because like I would just say stuff in passing and then they would like look at me and like inquisit me about what I just said. And I was like, oh my God, you heard that? Like I, I, I'm not used to that. Like usually you speak in America, like, and like unfortunately, a lot of people just like wait till you get ta- done talking so they can kind of speak. Right. It blew me away kind of experiencing that. And like the experiences I had with Iraq, like individuals from Iraq, when I went to college and was like exploring it, was so beautiful of relationships. I'm like, these are not my enemies. My enemy is not in Russia. Like they, they bring something to the situation and we, we're kind of like rising above this isolation but this is also why they're trying to create separation because again if me and you are aware of astrotheology and the procession of the equinoxes and the evolution of consciousness over time so is the individuals that serve the false cube so they're knowing this they're knowing that we're breaking away from national and these kind of identities and they're putting motions in to hijack that pattern you know and we're seeing this as they're trying to move to like you know that one world government but their one world government is going to be ruled as a currency you know their united nations is a destructive force like again you can see it they're going to present this with roses but you got to smell the shit that they're going to be presenting to us because they're just going to take all of this and put it on there you know like it's it's all about hijacking. They can't create, but they can hijack and like divert that energy. And so this is also the idea of Aquarius that we literally like in the age of Aquarius, we really have to live through the spiritual lens and know that like, if it smells like shit, it's probably going to taste like shit. And that's what you're going to get fed, you know? And so um, just that kind of awareness and kind of like taking that further and, um, yeah, I mean, I don't re- actually really know exactly where I'm um, well, going, but the future is ours. The future is ours. We well, ride. I, you know, one thing, a lot of things you say, not only, I, I mean, I can agree on and, and it resonates, but, you know, the idea of being satiated with a meal while your neighbor doesn't have enough, you know, next to you is pretty much dissipating mm-hmm. because if they don't have enough, I don't have enough. It's and, and we've been sold for a long time. Like, just worry about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you made it this far in order to fill your stomach, you know, it's not your fault that they don't have enough. It's like, no, this is a time to change. Like, if I have enough, I can break this in half and give half to at least one person who has nothing. And that's something mm-hmm. that gives me the true satiation or feel or feeling satiated, feeling fulfilled. That's where I find that. Not so much, like, just what I worry about myself. And I think we're all feeling that right now. And you're seeing it um, not just in the last like 20 years, but there's a ramp up as we speak of that 
with the ability to network faster than before. Mm-hmm. I think that it took us a while with the internet as it started, you know, in the mid 90s and, and early 2000s. But now that we all kind of have uh, an idea on how to operate through this network, it's breaking down those those doors or the the barriers that you're talking about with with individuals. And it's it's really, really not something just beautiful to witness, but something I have a lot of hope for to continue going before it stops. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it could be just the smallest thing when it comes to like even cooking shows. I know that that's something that, um, you know, I find great fulfillment in. It's not so much that I want to be a chef. I just want to make myself a meal, but I'm having a great time reading the comments and also the, uh, the individual who's opening the door for you in his house to show you how to make like a basic basmati rice or something. And you're like, Oh, this is interesting. I get to kind of experience this culture. There's a couple stories that they're telling about how they got to this point. And there's all these comments down below who are like, Hey, I was always afraid of cooking or I didn't think I could do it. Thank you. And so I get very satisfied knowing that just something that simple is bringing people together from all over the world. So you can see it in real time, not just be told by or heard from like in a podcast like this. It's like, no, you can go out there and see how this connection is actually actually occurring if you're hungry for it or if you're looking for it um, for that matter. But um, I know we went a little bit off topic there, but it's it's exciting. You know, Aquarius is a very exciting time and there's a lot, you know, um, I know we've already talked about how it has this, this idea and the zodiac symbol as a water bearer, but we haven't even talked about how it's this fixed, you know, air sign really mm-hmm. and, and, and what that represents and what that means uh, is super important for how we're going to operate within this labor and why you know, Hercules is not only able to detect the, the odor and feels that it's his responsibility to clean this this entire um, area that's infected with this odor because of the negligence of the king or the emperor, um, but also um, how he goes about taking on this this labor, like we're all going to take on this labor, is, um, you know, very witty, very, very intelligent, very, very quick and to the point. I think that's a brings me a lot of hope and influence as to how we can take such a intense thing that I think a lot of people, I'm not saying a lot of people avoid this, but it's like, how are we going to change everything? Oh my God, climate change. Oh my God. You know, um, all these theories that are, that are, you know, questioning my, my way of life are holding me back from this network that these guys are talking about in this utopian way. That's just like really so far fetched. It's like, no, there's a way to do it. And there's an intelligent way to do it. But worrying about the the greater task like he could have worried about these stables that have been uh-huh. just like full of dung for 30 years is going to just like deplete you of your energy uh-huh. and of course your physical energy as well because it's too much for one man to take on so he uh-huh. finds a force that can actually help him uh-huh. do this in a way that we should learn how to do this as well uh-huh. rather than getting overwhelmed with the task um so I think we should kind of go back into that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, man, absolutely. And um, yeah, that's that's exactly what we're, we're going to kind of explore with this. And, you know, the idea, cause, and I like that you brought up fixed air. Fixed air, air represents the intellect and the, like that capacity to think. Fixed air is the idea to know that your thoughts are your communication with mm. God. And so there's deep guidance when we can rise up and you know, take that, the mind of God, because our mind is a creation of that. So we can actually blend with that. And this is that idea that to solve a problem, you have to rise above the level of consciousness that created the problem, Mm. you know? And so it would be a tedious task 
to just go in there and try to clean the stables. And this is also what Aquarius kind of does is it it allows for new opportunities of like that old pattern's not working. We have to create something new here, right. you know, and it gives us that protection or that that potential, you should say, to liberate our way from the old. Um, you know, Aquarius is all about the future. So like if something's not working, we, we have to stop that pattern and create something new. And so this is the idea even of like divine inspiration of, you know, you might not have the solution now, but have you thought about asking your higher self? Have you gone through that process? Are you using your spiritual tools that you've collected so far on the previous 10 labors? Aquarius is like when we get our spiritual tool belt. It's also the network of all your own spiritual capacities and understanding how to use them. And so are we going to be able to clean up all the stables? No, you're supposed to find your own unique purpose of why you are here to help with that process. When we look outside and we study nature, everything in creation has a purpose. It has a meaning. Bees, birds, you know, even cockroaches. Everything has a meaning. So if we're a part of that creation, that means every one of us have a meaning. Every one of us have a unique tool to bring to this experience and this five sense reality to help clean the stables. We're not supposed to clean all the stables. We clean the stable that we were destined here to help purify through water, and we're the water bearer here. You know, it's really fascinating. It's easy for us in Aquarius to see the potential of God in everybody else. Mm. What's difficult is sometimes we're like, oh no, I see how everything in creation has a purpose, but I don't. There's not a more selfish statement to make there that you don't have a purpose. You're saying that the entire universe, God's immutable law, a law that can't be changed, you are a specific case study that God actually just focused on you and was like, everything else in creation has a purpose besides Daniel. <laughs> you think I'm that special to not have a purpose? Like he would literally have to isolate me, identify me, and actually malfunction his universal perfect plan. True. And it doesn't align. Everything in, in, you know, the universe has perfection. Perfection is the ultimate goal. Like, all we can tell by studying nature is everything is here to grow and everything is here to grow into serving its purpose. Mm -hmm. And at different stages in your life, you serve different purposes. Well, this is something we have to understand. And it's so easy to say like, oh, everybody else has a special gift, but I don't have a special gift. No, you just haven't unfolded your special gift yet. Right. You know, we always look, oh, they're so talented. I wish I had an artistic talent. No, you have a talent. You know, you just have to go through and authentically explore it. And this is what we kind of look at here as like, well, how do I help serve the collective? And by the process of the first 10 steps, we found this internal peace. And so we actually understand our unique role mm -hmm. and we kind of come back and we present it in a very humble, poised way. Because, you know, even when Hercules is offered external rewards oh, yeah. for his work, he's like, you can have one-tenth of my, of pretty much like my stock. He's not excited about it. Um, he's just like, whatever, because he's not serving the king. He's not serving Caesar. He's serving the people. Exactly. You know, he's serving the collective. It's kind of like that idea of like, you know, um, it's, it's kind of a, a great idea to take. Like if you're authentically blossoming and you are unfolding and shining through your own unique signature of creation, if somebody doesn't like it, well, 
fuck them. Like, honestly, like who, like, if you don't like haters going to hate, you know what I mean? Like we have to separate from that idea of getting external validation from people outside of ourselves. You know, a tree doesn't look at another tree and ask it, how am I doing? It's just blossoming the code of its seed, which is its DNA. We're just blossoming the code of our DNA. And so there's this mentality that we kind of get into Aquarius that's like, we're doing, we're not doing it for you. You know, like when it, when it kind of comes with the, the idea of even like the work that we're doing, you know? And so when we're kind of like looking at it, it's when you're serving your own destiny and it's, it's illuminating and you're blossoming, we don't need to worry about this external validation that comes from the outside. Right. Um, we just kind of work through it and we let other people gain that confidence too of like, who cares what they say, you know? So so I want to interject on something you said because it's in the labor itself. Um, the, the king, Agius, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct, so forgive me for the listeners, but the, the king does say, in quotes, you say that you will do this mighty task without reward. He declares suspiciously, I have no faith in those who make such boasts. Some cunning plan you have contrived, O Hercules, to take my throne from me. Of men who seek to serve the world without recom- recompense, I have not heard. So, to to stop right there and to add to what you're saying, um, you're, you said haters are going to hate, but it's true though. And we were talking about this with with networks that you know had the all the power in their hands. They are going to, and they are right now, currently panicking like this king of saying. There's no way you're not doing this. There's no way you're doing this selflessly. It's like, there's, there's gotta be some external reward that you are gaining from this. And it's like, no, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for the sake of others who may feel that, you know, they're not connected with any other individual like themselves. But here we're opening the doors for many people to know like, hey, we are your friends from afar mm-hmm. and best friends. It's like, hey, you can teach me something. I can teach you something. So we don't need the approval of some say network um, in regards to like a, a way of publishing the, mm-hmm. these audio recordings to tell us what we can say and not say, including you speaking about anything personal in your life because you're speaking to me, but at the same time, we're speaking to the all mm-hmm. and we're doing it with true intention. And that's where the gold lies. It's not that our words are so unique that someone might take notes or need to take notes because we are bringing some sort of information they've never heard of, but more so the authenticity of our words based on the love and respect we have for one another, Mm -hmm. but also the love and respect we have for others we haven't even met yet. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something you and I have a true bond over. And, And so you see that selflessness in Hercules when the king is confronting him about like, there's no way that you're doing such such a thing so selflessly no one does such a thing mm-hmm. and i don't believe and he says and he says i'm i'm i have no faith in those who makes who those who make such boasts that literally sounds like the cringy ceo or the mm-hmm. interviewer who's interviewing you in a job that he's just using a standard of these questions that have been given to him he's not truly asking you questions about hey you know i've been in this company we need someone new mm-hmm. in this company and so i'm going to ask you questions that make me connect with you in a way that I would want to connect with you if you're going to be here for the long haul. Rather, they're just like these standard questions then then give standard answers. And you kind of find yourself feeling kind of dirty because you're like, I don't even know how to answer this, but I'm going to mm-hmm. answer it in the most formulaic way in order to maybe get this job. And you go home that night and you probably beat yourself up going, I don't think the interview went that well. 
But really what didn't go well is that you kind of weren't, you know, representing yourself in the most authentic way possible. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's there's another interview out there that has gone the opposite way. But that's something that I think a lot of people are facing right now mm-hmm. is having that confrontation of these haters you're talking about, the the king himself that's saying, hey, like, I don't believe you. Like, I don't trust the, that you're going to do this for the greater good of people. But, oh, you're so wrong, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And what this shows, too, is when you attach yourself to a lower vibration, you can only see the lens that that lower vibration has. Yes. So they they stop seeing the magic in themselves. They're not going to see magic in the external world. So when you have people that are narcissistic and, you know, become very selfish, well, that's all they can see is selfish things happening. So they... It's, it's like beyond even their reality and their experience. And so as you kind of climb that spiritual ladder, you you really have to become aware of this, of like, this isn't even in their field of thought. Mm-hmm. This isn't even in their field of emotional capacity to experience some of these higher vibrations and essences of true creation. And so it's it's truly that thing of like, the these toxic cycles and patterns kind of keep going because they like use it as like, if they've released it, if they if they experience pain, well, I'm, everybody else must just experience right. pain, you know. And that's that's what's going to be so important again about the water bearer and like what we do with the emotional experiences of our life. Do we use our you know troubling emotional um, you know events in our life from the past to create hate? and like pour boiling water on people? Or do we use it to soften us and give us deeper insight and better ability to reflect so we don't make negative emotional patterns anymore? And we can kind of, again, purify. So we wash away, but we also nurture with this unique kind of water. Um, but yeah, the the idea of like, if, if somebody's in the mud, don't expect them to see the top of the mountain and know what the top of the mountain looks like. And don't, and don't expect them to encourage you on your climb up the mountain. You know, like when people are like, oh, you're like chasing spirituality, like you're running after fairies and you're like, you know, you're chasing the invisible. You're like, yeah, because you get to one point where you're like, I totally see fairies, gnomes and energies. Like I feel the essence of the guardian angels. I feel this essence. But if you don't open yourself up and you actually don't open up the capacity to experience it, yeah, it just moves right over you and you become calcified and you get stuck in this in this cube, the cube in the cube, you know, and you make your own prison. Um, and so it's, it's a fascinating thing. And, you know, people would love to tell you about you. This is what you need to do. The only person who could find out who, what you need to do is you, right? you know, and really kind of like, again, connecting to that authentic signature of the universe of, you know, being able to actually blossom the beauty that it desires for you to blossom. And, um, we see this. Hercules does it. And he, again, he's just like, he goes like, we're at, he's like, I don't care what you yeah. say. Like, I don't care if you're going to try to like pressure me to say that this is about money and power. Like, I know, I know the true source, you know, and kind of going back to like our Pinocchio story, um, what Hercules is kind of doing here. Um, we spoke at the end about the idea of saving your father from the belly of the beast. Right. And we talked about it like connecting to that universal life principle. Well, creation is the physical manifestation of that universal father, right? Creation is the creator's 
essence that we see and can actually perceive and feel. So we're also saving creation, which is our five sense reality, from the beast system that has been like cubed over it. Mm. Um, and so there's this like liberation where we really understand like, no, I know what I'm serving. I'm serving truth, love, and spiritual sovereignty. And when we can do that, nothing can get in our way and nothing can impede us on our path because we're not, you know, we're not enamored anymore by the sparkling right. and the shaking of the keys. Yeah. Um, we've, we now see, we now hear, and we can feel what that path is actually trying to un- open for us. And again, everybody's path is unique. Everybody's got their own special skills. And, you know, everybody is their own unique craftsman in this grand design that we're all a part of. And also in, in this stage of, of the evolution, as we kind of find our own unique process and even like what we uniquely like to do, Aquarius is like the idea of doing something for the love of the game, mm. like not yeah. playing a sport to be just a champion, just playing it because we love to do it. It's like this idea of just doing it because it enriches our soul. And it's like a unique kind of connection. And we rise above even what most people's um, desires are in that. You know, there's um, there's like a unique kind of example. And I, uh, and it's always interesting because this like, when I kind of think about it, but there's... um. In, in like mixed martial arts, and I, and I don't even know, and there might be even better examples. I'm not super well-versed, but through my process of life, especially owning the restaurants, people would talk to me a lot about this. And so by proxy, I kind of understand a little bit, but there's two individuals in it and they're brothers and they're called the Diaz brothers, Nate and Nick. And I'm absolutely fascinated by these individuals because they literally do it for the love of fighting. Yeah. They are not interested in the belts. They're not interested in the fame. They just want to fight the person who's getting paid the most to kind of like be like, this is it. And like, they even have potential sometimes to like finish a fight. And like the person's like dancing around because they're like kind of dazed and they'll stay up and be like, no, I want to like keep beating you. And so like, I'm not like, this isn't so much an expression that like I have, but like, they truly just love fighting. They they're not doing it for the fame. They're not doing it for the money. They're just doing it because it like is how their soul expresses. Right. You know? And they don't mind giving the middle finger. They'll load up like light up a joint on stage. Like, you know, there's something so authentic about them that's undeniable. And even though these organizations, these billion dollar corporations push other people the fans want to see the Diaz brothers. Like when they show the camera, like if they're at a fight, not even fighting, everybody goes crazy. Um, And again, they're not even playing to win the scorecard. They know that the chips are stacked against them. They're not as marketable. They're not as controllable. Like if they're getting interviewed, they're dropping F-bombs. They're smoking weed on stage. They're just yelling Stockton at people and giving them the finger. Like it's so authentic and it's, and it's so great because like even there's like this like interview and how I even saw them was it came up on YouTube and it was like they like um, disrespected like the rock on stage. Like he was, I guess he was supporting the other fighter. He was like promoting the fight. So he went to go shake their hands and they're like, we're not going to, we're not even going to look at you, dude. And it was like that idea of like, they don't look for any kind of validation. Right, it's not right. about the money. It's not about the fame. It's just about the love of fighting. And in Aquarius, you learn to connect to do something for the love of the game. You know, you it's it's for love. It's for love and it's what your life expresses through. And that's actually what we see 
Hercules blend together here with those two rivers that he uses to clean the stable. It's the blending of life and just the experience and love. And it's that coming together of the masculine and feminine, like all of these processes. And so, um, but yeah, I want to kind of connect with you. And are you even aware of those individuals? Oh, I am. Oh, 100%, man. Dude, it's so funny. Like if there was anybody that like, I don't get really like excited to meet. Like if they were like, you could meet anybody in the world, I'd be like, uh, just one of the Diaz brothers. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah. I want to just like hang out with them and just like, yeah, they, they they just like give the finger to everybody. And I just like, it's really refreshing, you know, because they're like not doing it for the fame, not doing it to ever be like in the Hall of Fame. They're like, we don't care. Most of you guys are on steroids anyways. Like they'll fight you in the ring or out of the ring. Like, yes. And like other fighters say that. They're like, what would happen if you saw like the Diaz brothers on the street? They're like, they would run up on me and they would want to fight me. You yeah, know, yeah. like it's this interesting thing. And again, I'm not the the biggest like fighter, um, but people express through that. And actually, you know what? There's, there's probably a part of me, just like in a completely side note, that even my awareness of this probably shows that there's like a part of my shadow that's like desiring for me to like, it's interesting what like comes into your awareness because like, because I'm such like a nonviolent, non-aggressive individual, like I, I don't compete very often. I do think that the universe wants me to compete a little bit more. Like I was just at like hanging out with some friends in Cave Creek and they were playing this board game called like Settlers of Catan. Oh, yeah. And you're supposed to like, it's like a really like complex game. Aggressive. And you're supposed to like really like take over as much space as possible. I immediately just went for beachfront property and I was just chilling. I was just like, oh no, I'm not like trying to expand. Like, no, you you need to build a road right here. And I'm like, nah, I'm cool. I got this like beachfront property. And they're like, no, you're not playing the game. And I'm like, no, I'm totally doing it. You know, like <laughs> That's awesome. even when I'm like, you know, I it's like, but there is a part of me that I think the universe does want me because like, you know, as a kid, I did play sports. I did mm-hmm. kind of have that, you know, that competitive, competitive edge and stuff. And so I do think that there's like, I don't fulfill that as much in my life. So sometimes externally, I get like pulled into things. It's it's interesting. Your shadow will present to you. Um, you know, like, do you remember that talk show, Jerry Springer? Oh, yeah. You know, and it was like world, it was like American wrestling. Like it was completely fake. Like it was completely staged and stuff. But they would like kind of take like what you would corn, like, like, I don't, I don't like this term trashy because I'm pretty sure that like most people, it's it's not the, the right word to use, but they would bring people that had like really like made up problems, but they were definitely like not your virtuous individuals, right? And they would get them and they would like literally get them to like fight on stage. It wasn't the like the lower class community that they said that they were res- like representing there, which was like the lower poverty of like the trailer park kind of thing. That's not who watched Jerry Springer. No. It was middle-aged women and men who were very socially normal-sized, and they were very much a part of the code. And this was an expression and a representation of their shadow because they play by the rules. And so this chaos attracted them. And they had to watch it because it actually like fulfilled a part of them because like there's like this aspect in us that kind of wants to break the rules. And these individuals were like very formulated. So it was like really interesting looking at the case study of even like, it's not so much like, it's it's like you almost pull in the opposite of yourself and sometimes like the things you're interested in. And um, I don't know where or, I want to- yeah. Or the things that you don't want um, to be questioned on. So like I think that in this case, and this is a good way to bring it back to the king um, and versus Hercules like perspective is you want someone to show you that 
what failure looks like mm-hmm. so that whatever road you've taken it kind of gives this like idea mm-hmm. of hey you know at least i'm not those people on stage fighting over mm-hmm. like who owns who owes who for like the phone bill and mm-hmm. how like you know whatever baby mama drama getting leaving getting left for like a turtle or something right, right, right. Yeah. Some, something like that and so people people would you know thrive from that because it's kind of giving them this validation at the the path they've chosen is better than the path that's being showed to them. But the Mm -hmm. thing with Hercules being so virtuous and being so selfless is making the king very angry that it's like, you're, you're holding a different kind of power, a power that doesn't Mm -hmm. hold power over a kingdom rather gives power to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And I'm the one who gets to make that choice, not Mm -hmm. you. And Hercules is like, do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not trying to rule over these people. I'm just Mm -hmm. trying to free these people from Mm -hmm. the stench. I'm trying to free, free these people from something that you're holding them down on. Mm-hmm. And if you would have just been a little more selfless, you probably would have a lot of people on your back or behind you, you mm-hmm. know, like sticking up for you, being part of your whole, you know, uh, uh, power in the kingdom. But right now you're, you're, you're basically just like killing people. Sure. And so I'm just here to like not let people suffer. Yeah. So absolutely. I think that that's where you kind of see that, you know, um, this this difference right there but go ahead yeah no and i'm I'm glad you brought that up because there was actually um a reference of numerology made to this in the very beginning of this story when it says the one light now has to light the 49 other lights yes so if we kind of think about that you know 49 plus one is going to give us 50 and if we did the numerology on that five plus zero comes out the five and the numerology of 49 nine plus four is 13 and then we take the one and the three and add it together which is four so what we're showing here is where true power is. False power is in the control of the four elements and thinking that we are the destined you know, individual that just like rules over the four elements. Where Hercules is the idea, he's really connected to the true power, which is five, mm. which is the ether. And the ether is now working through him. And it is, it's, it's very threatening to those individuals within the cube right. because they thought they had all this power. And now you're walking with true power, true authority because the universal authority is speaking through you. Um, and that is very intimidating to um, it's just like the idea that like demons don't like the light, you know, it's, there's that idea of like, even um, light will always kind of push through darkness. You know, that's actually this interesting thing in the spiritual community um, because it used to actually, if somebody was ever having something like their house was haunted or they were having like sleep paralysis, you used to, when we had warm lighting, and this is actually brought up to me by Freighter Xavier from uh, Mind and Magic, which is such a great resource. He was bringing up that like, oh, that's a good, yeah. I, I love Mind that guy, magic, dude. He's, yeah. he's the man. Um, when you turn on a light now with LEDs, it's what you call cold lighting. So it actually doesn't like heat up and like create like this illumination source. And so although they're more energy efficient, you used to be able to turn on the light to like push away sleep paralysis, like energy and maybe lower energy that was demonic because it was actually creating warmth. But cold lighting now doesn't do that. It doesn't push away that energy. Mm. And so what we see here is just the true potential of the creative life force, the ether, and illumination to push away these lower vibrational energies. Um, and, you know, we see people, again, he was, the king is operating in the four sense reality. Hercules is operating in the five sense reality. It's right. a step above. Chess master, you know, the king's playing checkers. 
Hercules is not only playing chess, he's above the board. He's not even a piece there. And the king thinks he's the most powerful because he's a king on that board, but he doesn't know that, you know, one, he's actually getting controlled by forces he's unaware of. And when the game's over, he's going back in the box. Hercules isn't because he's above the table. Right. He's eternal, which is what we always connect to and what we climb that ladder up to. Um, because, you know, this this is the path that we're kind of looking at here. And so... Um, so yeah, to go back to these two rivers, the two of rivers. Life and I, love. I liked how you were starting to bring up the fact that the two rivers and what they represent, because I, I know there's a, there's plenty of individuals who have who've heard this labor before or read about it. But if you haven't, you know, the task is is you know very difficult as far as to to accomplish in a day, for that matter. And that's why the king just laughs at Hercules' ambition. But the way that Hercules goes about it, using back to this element of air um, and having the potential of having this fixed air element, you know, to, to carry you to a higher way of thinking, he uses his, his thought process quickly and efficiently in order to bring two rivers that, you know, uh, whose streams, you know, don't come together. They kind of have their own paths and he, he intertwines or finds a way to, to bring both rivers to one place. And from that, he floods away, all the dung that you know the stables have have been carrying for the last 30 years and just as quick as you know he came up with the idea just as quick as the stables are clean just as quick is the king to just come to a conclusion of being cheated and being um uh tricked you know and and he's she's just furious with the way he just kind of you know did this because he's he was thinking to himself you're going to do this physically you know your mighty hercules with all this physical power but I want to see how you're going to go ahead and do something that no one's been able to do. And he found a way to use his thought action rather than his physical action in order to, to accomplish this labor, which again makes a king very, very angry because it shows a different kind of power. And, and that's the power of intellect. And that's the power that allows you to not only move swiftly, but also um, from a different angle, from a different perspective, mm-hmm. from a higher perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's something and it's obvious with this king, just based on his reaction, hasn't accomplished yet. He's still sitting in a very lower vibration of domination through physical strength and physical power that he has over the people that he's imprisoned with this stench. And Hercules was just like, I was just walking by and this is what I did and this mm-hmm. is what I've done. He's mm-hmm. like, and I don't need your, I don't need whatever percentage you were going to mm-hmm. give me in order to accomplish this task. I'll, I'm good, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, but yeah, so I, I know there's more to that with the rivers and what they represent. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this this heightened awareness and connection to true intelligence that we're seeing Hercules operate through. Um, and Aquarius teaches us to have the capacity to think outside of the box. Right. But you can only think outside of the box if you were actually outside of the box. The king is within the cube. Oh, yeah. He can't well, think so outside of the box. And that's that's why this Aquarius, this evolution has to happen so we can actually rise above the box and think outside of the box. And that idea of these two rivers representing life and love, this is the two streams of consciousness that are working for. You know, life we see, which is the active component, the left side of the brain, the masculine, the love, which is the magnetic force that pulls everything together is invisible but undeniable okay you know and it's operating within us you know you can it's easier to kind of like you know kind of think in a foolish way but like and like take a thing but like if you feel something is wrong it's hard to overlook that um that's why also 
that's like the greatest way to validate esoteric and occult information. When you're presented in like information in the esoteric and you have an overwhelming feeling of truth that runs through your body, this is like actually how you use discernment. This right. is actually how you kind of evaluate what's true and what's false. And the more you kind of align yourself to the truth, the more falsality stands out as um, decay and you can like right. move away from it. And so these two rivers of life and love are the masculine and feminine component of our consciousness. And, you know, when we do that, we really start to connect with the intellect, with the intuition. And this is spoken about as spiritual discernment. And this is actually what we see in the word intelligence. Intelligence is a two-part word. And the first part is intellect is what that root comes from. And the second is Genesis, which is creation. And you put them together. In our societies, we have a lot of intellectuals, which is the left side of the brain. But intelligence is not something we really cater for. Mm. You know, this is why, you know, math and sciences are really popular for like young individuals going into like universities now. And you know, the arts is kind of seen as a hobby. Well, we're creating unbalanced individuals. Um, so we're creating these like polarized individuals who are leaning to one side. And it's it's all about life for them. So it's all about like, what can I achieve in this life? What can I like physical things can I attain? How can I alleviate the pressure of this physical resistance? But it's it's very like, you know, to the side, they don't have any love. There's no purpose in what they're doing. It's when you stuck to that life side, it's all about the motion of life. Mm. But if you don't, connect to that, you know, the right side, which is love, that's the meaning of life. And it's, you know, bringing the motion and the meaning together and making those energies blend together. And you really do become this water bearer because you're feeling these two streams of consciousness that are operating through you. You know, you can't perceive your unconsciousness, but you can definitely see the results of what it does in your life. And even just like the automation, like I'm not thinking about digesting my food right now or my coffee that I had earlier, but my subconscious is working through that. Like I'm not completely aware of it, but there's so much in operation. And we're really starting to see this this unifying glue that holds everything together, which is the love. Um, and connecting with that that sacred feminine. And it's the blending of these two, which is the way. The gate is narrow. There's many paths but the gate, once you get to this like spiritual opportunity of really obtaining the light body that is that is created by Christ, um, that gate becomes narrow. You know, you have to actually really kind of like see it. And this is also why when you're looking at the Last Supper, the only doorway that's open that a human could fit through is actually behind Jesus. Right. Because we're supposed to balance all of these energies of the 12 zodiacs at our table and make sure that they're all getting equal representation and expression. And so what we're kind of um thinking about here with these with these two rivers is we're kind of bro- approached with this final thing and there's this there's a really important part in the Bible where Jesus is tempted by Satan. And this we obviously can see this with like the idea of like selling your soul and like you know serving the materialistic god but it, it we can take it a next level because there's actually two part um parts to illumination there's the luciferic path and there's the christ path and what we're being guided here is the true essence of why we choose the christ path because the luciferian path you still obtain enlightenment but everything is seen as like, how do I escape from this five sense reality? Right. You know, and we kind of see this with people who, like we said, like the hermits that like escape from the world. And 
And what we're really trying to do here is move away from the Luciferic illumination and actually get connected to the Christ illumination, where you actually come back and serve and understand that the way you experience love is by like connecting, sharing, and opening love up with others. The way you understand life is actually living life and not actually utilizing this as like, how do I get out of here? You know, because that we can get kind of selfish in that when people start to like spiritually illuminate themselves and they see like, oh, like how do I get that light body so I don't get like caught by the archons and get sent back into the matrix cube for another reincarnation? Um, because that's the idea, like the Gnostic false god, the Demiurge, has actually has like keepers on the threshold, right. which are the archons. And you're going through that and they catch you. Well, they the only way they can catch you is if they see you. And that's if you have like attachments to this physical reality and you have pain and you have hate in you. Those are heavy. So you don't move as fast and they're dense so they can see you and they grab you. The only way to actually blow through that is through the light body. Christ consciousness. They don't even see you. So you go through that and you don't go through the process of reincarnation of the cube because they keep you in the cube because like they feed off of you. They right. like they use you as energy. But what we really see is it's it's not just about us having the light body and transcending that. It's about having it like we want to make that thing like a freaking interstate where all of these illuminated souls are just flying through and the archons are just like, oh shoot, what are we going to do? Who are we going to eat? It's like, I don't care, middle fingers to you, you know what I mean, (laughs) on the way out. Like, we're good. Um, And so that's what it's all about. The Christ consciousness is the idea of like coming back and, you know, blending these two rivers of also yourself and others and understanding that like, not only is God looking through your eyes, but he's looking through everybody else's eyes Mm. in creation. And what we're also going to see is it's the network of all life, you know, and you really start to approach with this Aquarius, the idea that we spoke about before that everything responds to love. And that's also what we kind of see the network of creation in its entirety. And um, it's just a, it's a really kind of special thing when we kind of think about the blending of these, of these two very important streams of consciousness um, and the unifying of that energy so we really can start to operate through spiritual discernment and tapping into our birthright of intelligence. Yeah, well said, man. Well said. I know that we've... Uh, I knew this was going to happen with Aquarius, which is so fulfilling for me that we're going to break down labor and the understanding of what it represents in the Zodiac wheel, but also the importance of the era that we're in and the beginnings of this era that will be here for you know longer than 2000 years and what that means for us right now at this very get go. Um, and so I'm excited to talk about this um, in part two and in part three, because again, it's, it's a blend of the two of talking about what this energy represents, but also not to the individual only, but to the collective. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something very important about this labor. Um, when once again Hercules does what he needs to for the people and not for the king, and how much the king resents him for that, and you're going to see that a lot with again, um, whether it's it's in your physical job that you the earn money in, or you know the thing that you 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 thought you had to um, abide by in a sort of structure that's that's sort of fading away is what it takes to use the blend that you're talking about in order to prevail over the ideology that's antiquated or isn't really serving the community anymore. And Mm -hmm. you're going to see this not only with this labor, but you're going to see this a lot while we talk about uh, Aquarius and this, this true, um, this power that we're going to be able to access. Um, But yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited for part two. I'm excited to, 
um, continue this journey. And and just to conclude what ends up happening in the end, I like what, you know, it says, you know, it said, a server of the world you have become. The teacher says to Hercules, you have gone by and bygone and by you've you have gone on by going back you have come to the house of light by yet another path Mm -hmm. and that's that path we're talking about right now and so um yeah anyways fantastic to be able to get back to the series and i'm kind of sad we're coming to its end and i know that we'll always bring up um these understandings, you know, because you said this in the beginning, you know, it, it's not just the sun sign. It's not just your rising sign. It's not just about what you think um, or how you think this only pertains to you, the individual who might have Aquarius. We all have Aquarius in our house and we all as a collective on this planet are going through this energy in Aquarius together at the very beginning right now, mm-hmm. the beginning stages, as I mentioned. And so we'll probably bring up a lot in regards to this energy and its potential and what our responsibility is with it throughout this entire series. So it doesn't just end here, which is exciting, but I am excited to get back to you with this because you know, we had a lot of fun with Pinocchio, but I also was like, oh man, you know, we're, we're entering this, this month and from the end of January into February. And I know some listeners out there are like, Hey, when are you going to get back to it? So we'll get back to it. But we yeah. just wanted to, you know, tip our hats off to Del Toro a little bit and, you know, take a different uh, approach on a movie um, such as Pinocchio. So if you didn't listen to that four part series, um, I recommend it, I suppose. Uh, but if you don't want to, I don't take any offense to it because we're just doing what we're doing, as we mentioned earlier, you know. Um, but uh, anything else you want to add to that, my friend? Oh, yeah, no. Um, I, I love how you were closing that down. And um, yeah, in Aquarius, we really, really understand that the deepest way at this point that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And the whole of all of us, the whole unified aspect of consciousness and life itself um, is is greater than the individual um, need for fame and power. Um, what truly is waiting for us is this wholeness, um, which is holiness, you know? Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, always, you know, it's all about like, we shine our light and we don't dim other people's. We help them, you know, illuminate that too in themselves. And so, um just be authentically you, baby. That's right, man. That's right. Um, thank you to everybody out there, all the listeners, all the supporters, um, you know, all those who are exploring our website, all those who are even helping us out with the website. It's funny. I've had individuals reach out and they're like, hey, there might be a typo here. There might be a typo there. But I love the website. You know, it's great how constructive criticism just not only helps us out, but it helps us, you know, connect with the community to make them feel like, hey, we're not always going to be, you know, um, aware of some, you know, micro adjustments that we needed to be aware of because we're so concentrated on what we do here with our studying and our conversations, Daniel's amazing night, natal charts and all the things that are, are happening. If you're not on Patreon or if you're not on the website, highly recommend to go check that all out. Um, and thank you to all those who donate, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot that, we try to put out there for all of you and we're thankful for all that you do for us in order to continue this um, and support us on this podcast. And I know we say this all the time. There's so much more to come, but you know, we are two people who are doing the best we can uh, every day to bring not only good quality content first and foremost through the podcast, but also what comes uh, with all that in regards to the videos and 
um, the lessons that are available out there, um, you know, the questions you guys have that we want to answer, just making space this year to make that network uh, just a little bit bigger, but a little more inclusive all at the same time. Um, that definitely takes some discipline. So um, thank you again. And um, until next time. Until next time. Cool, man. Okay, I think we're rolling. We're ready to go. Make sure this mic is right in my go. face. Part almost just like, yeah, if you can pull throat. up the arm, it looks like. Oh, Romeo. Oh, little Romeo. You hear that, dude? You got a little rendition of your name mm-hmm. to a song by the Jackson 5. Master P's nephew did a little cover of that too. Little Romeo, he was like this little oh, kid. Yeah. You remember that? That was like when we were like seventh, eighth grade. Did I forget? Kind of jumped Romeo. on that little bow wow train. Little kid rappers, baby rappers, baby rappers. Baby's got stuff to say. <laughs> cool, man. I think we're we're good. I like I like where the mic levels are. Um, welcome to the Night I Self podcast. Let me try that one more time. <laughs>